You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. It's infield to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Blue Bass shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around the pitch like Bambi on ice. It'd be very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, and now, now. Your, host, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show, and no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoyed. And I had a weird, um, I had a weird situation this weekend. I had a weird instance where I was sat uh, with with some people I knew. And, and we watched a match together. We watched a game together. We, we, we discussed it and it was almost like we were seeing, uh, we were sitting in in front of a different match. We were watching a different game altogether. And, um, I, I won't call those people friends. Uh, but I will say that Kevin friend and I, um, had a similar situation where I think that all of us experienced that on Saturday where we sat and we watched a match and I wasn't at Anfield, but I was sitting here watching the match and it was as though. I was watching a completely different match than Kevin Friend. And I will not call him a friend either because he did nothing um, kind to us, maybe other than perhaps not calling that penalty on uh, Shane Long, who may have indeed fouled somebody right on the goal line. But uh, there were a lot of other things that just didn't seem to go our way. Uh, It's not the first time Kevin Friend has done this to us, but that is beside the point, I guess. In the end, Liverpool... Uh, 4-0 winners. Um, the scoreline, I don't think, accurately reflects how the match was played out. But uh, for the first half, I say we were all in it. Um, and we'll talk about all that with this week's guest, Dave Champ, who joins me from Ohio after having moved from Southampton. So uh, Dave is on Instagram, at the real Dave Champ, And uh, I will say that Dave is a friend. Dave is a guy who I've actually sat and talked to for quite some time. And it was actually enjoyable because it seemed as though we watched the same match, which is always good. Um, even though we don't agree on everything, I don't think you have to. I just think, you know, having, uh, you know, a, a similar timeline in your head and actually uh, being able to agree on some of the finer points in life, like the fact that Kevin Friend clearly um, is a Liverpool supporter. I think that is, uh, is exciting or something. But anyway, um, uh, Dave joins me. We'll jump into that in just a second. I just want to take a second before that, though, to give a shout out to Christian Candler, who became the newest patron of the show this month. So thank you, Christian, for joining the show and joining the Patreon, helping support the show. As a result, um, you get access to a private Discord channel with me and the other patrons. You get a shout out here. Uh, Here it is. And you also get priority for having your questions answered on the show each and every week. And one more thing, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, do that at SouthamptonDelivery.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. Uh, You can send us an email, drop us a message, whatever you want. We're also on all the social media platforms at S-F-C-D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y. But uh, most of all, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen. Hope you enjoyed the show and uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. So we'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Dave Champ. You can find him on Instagram at the Real Dave Champ. Dave, I've talked to you recently. Haven't been on the show recently, but uh, welcome back and thanks for joining me. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. You bravely chose Liverpool as your uh, as your return fixture here, so I appreciate that. Uh, it's not always an easy one to to get people to take, but uh, I'm excited to talk to you a little bit, even if the result didn't go our way. But um, uh, before we get into any of that stuff, uh, can you? It just for the listeners who may be new to the show, kind of fill everybody in on, on your history, because now you live in the United States, but you're, of course, uh, from the UK. So give me a, a brief rundown of, of, of what your history is like with the, with the club. Yeah, um, born and bred in Southampton. I was born in 1960, and I went to my first game in the mid-60s with my mother. I've been a Southampton supporter for many years. Um, seen many things happen at the club, and um, I'm, I'm happy to... Um, 
finally this season they've got things together a bit better and uh, I'm not uh, stressing out that they're going to stay in the premiership. Yeah, one of the things we have to worry about here in the States is can we watch them if, if not? And it looks like this year we can, we can almost just uh, let the auto-renew for NBC Sports Gold go because it's kinda, they're, it's, they're going to be there. But um, how long have you been living in the States now? Oh, it must be coming up to about 18 years now. I've been here a, a fair while. I went back a couple of years ago in 2017 for family reasons and um, you know, got back with the club and uh, actually managed to see a couple of live games. Yeah, and I guess, I guess my question to you is, when you came over here that long ago, how, mm-hmm. what's the biggest difference between trying to keep up with the team then versus now? That's a good question. Um, really, it just relies on watching them on the TV and obviously picking up things on the internet. Um, I, yeah, sure, I can call my brother and ask his opinion, but that's just his opinion at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm not really getting the, um, the actual real dish on what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I really have to rely on the TV and the internet, really, um, to figure out what's going on, really. Um, when, when you're there, you can actually talk to other fans a lot easier when you go and watch the game. There's a big friendly atmosphere when you go to the club and you're just hanging out before the game. You know, people want to talk about things. Um, I remember when I was back there in 2017, I had this guy from India come up to me and he was on one of the cruise ships and he was all excited to watch the last game of the season. He booked his ticket uh, while he was working on the ship and he, you know, made it coincide with when the ship docked at Southampton so he could just go straight to the game. Okay. And it's, it's, it's little things like that that really make the day when you go to watch the game because people are are really, really uh, good about sharing their stories and they, they want to talk to you about things. And that's really, that's where you get the inside information on everything. Yeah. Cool. And I, I guess it's the quick exchange of information and ideas that happens there versus here. If you do that, it's got to be via some sort of social media. And then even it's a little bit different than actually having a face to face conversation uh, right. With, right. with somebody, you know? Yeah. I, I, I liken it back to my, uh, my brother, uh, he, I asked him if he was going to have a season ticket for this season, and he said no. He said, I've had it. I, I've seen too much, and it's stressing me out too much, and I, I'm not even going to bother to buy a season ticket this year because I don't want the stress of worrying as to whether we're going to still be in the premiership next year. Yeah, absolutely. So Fair enough. Uh, it's all right. I mean, we'll, we'll watch <laughs> them, I guess, no matter what, but it looks like we're, we're going to be all right. Um, yeah. You know, we <laughs> we've, been, we've been playing you know, relatively well, or actually I would say we've been playing really well over the past couple of, uh, of weeks, but, um, you know, yesterday didn't quite, quite go our way, but that's, that's all right. Um, you know, it is, it is what it is, but should we, should we look at, should we go ahead and look at the match now and then just yeah. move, move that way? And, uh, yeah. I, I mean, did you have any issues with the, with the team sheet? We had McCarthy, uh, Ward Prowse at right back, Stevens, Bednarak, Bertrand to, to fill out the back line in the middle, Hoiberg and Romeo, and then, uh, the front four, I guess, uh, Janapo, Redmond, Ings and Long. Um, any issue with that for you? I, I really didn't because, you know, I know we had the injuries to, um, to Stuart Armstrong and we had um, Cedric leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, that really threw a bit of a, a wrench in the works really with him leaving so quickly, um, particularly at the back. And I can understand why James was put, you know, in the right back position. I, I don't think it was a real problem doing that because we did it for the Crystal Palace game, and we won that one. Yeah. So I think there was the confidence that, you know, um, the boss could put um, James Ward-Prowse in that position without any problem. Um, I did notice that he wasn't doing so many free kicks as he would normally do. Yeah. And maybe that caused uh, a little bit of an issue because they couldn't get those good deliveries, um, you know, straight to people like Danny Ings and, and so on. I mean, I had a strange feeling yesterday. I really wasn't that disappointed after the game, like I normally am. I, I don't know whether it's a combination of the fact that I didn't think that we were going to win anyway. Um, the best I thought we could do would probably be to either keep the scoreline completely goalless mm-hmm. or at least draw with them. Yeah. Um, you know, I really didn't have that really desperate feeling at the end of the game that we didn't play very well. I thought we played well. 
as well as we could have against a team like Liverpool, who are extremely strong and extremely confident. And they're obviously riding a very big crest on the wave um, to the end of the season where they're obviously going to be, you know, the premiership winners. Yeah. Well, I, I don't well, want to admit that yet, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was admitting that a few weeks ago. I, I can't see anybody really catching up with them now. I mean, it's they're 22 points ahead and, you know, it's just like, it's a done deal, really. Yeah, I, 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 I know. I know. It's it's. It hurts to say, and there are a couple of people who listen to the show who actually uh, support Liverpool. So you know, yeah. um, they'll be in touch. I'm sure. I, I don't. I don't dislike Liverpool. I, I actually kind of admire them uh, and, and admire the system that they've developed. And uh, their manager is an extremely clever manager. Um, I, I was listening to um, the Manchester United manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh-huh. and he was he was accepting all the criticism that Man U are getting right now. And he was saying you know, something very significant, I think that a lot of managers will agree with, that it takes more than one season to build a good team. He's building a team right now, and I think Jurgen Klopp will agree with that as well. Um, he's built that Liverpool team over several seasons now, yeah. maybe four or five seasons to this point. And if you liken that to what Ralph is doing with the Southampton team, this is really only his second season Right. maybe a season and a half since he's taken over. Um, he's at early days right now. But if, he, if he's developed a team that's gone from the bottom of the league to the mid part of the league and possibly can buy for European uh, games next year if we get a little higher, then he's done really, really well after a season and a half to get to that sort of stage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it, it takes, like you said, it takes a lot of time to be able to, to do that and, and maybe... You know, it, it shows that the club are thinking about the long term a little bit when they appointed him because they didn't just go with a with a firefighter type manager because we were yeah. in a, a situation where we were looking like um, we we could potentially be relegated and and the fact that they didn't just bring in somebody like you know like a big Sam type figure to to just sure it up and and get us safe I think I think shows that they were. They were looking long term. I mean, obviously, Mark Hughes had come in and done that the year before, and they had decided not to not to stay with that. So, uh, I, yeah. I, I'm fully behind them for that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and it does take uh, uh, you know some time to be able to to make sure that you build the right kind of team, and that you uh, and we saw some of that, I guess, uh, in the transfer window as well. And we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll come to that in the question section because we people have questions about the the window and stuff like that. But yeah, um, I mean. For for me, I think uh, going back to the James Ward Prowse at, at right back situation, it's not my favorite move because I think he's, uh, as you said, he's he didn't take as many free kicks yesterday, and partially I think that's because he has added defensive responsibilities in a specific part of the pitch. Um, yeah. It's difficult yeah. to get from you know the the far corner back to the right back position uh, if you're taking a corner on that side. So maybe that's why we saw Bertrand over there doing that and things like that. And right. With with Armstrong out because Armstrong, one of the things he's been doing very very well is 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 tracking back and playing defense and and helping Cedric out on on that right side. And now, right. um, now you you don't have that. Now now you have Janepo there, who in the past I would say has not been the uh, the best at tracking back and and kind of being defensively disciplined. And so you have Ward Prowse who has to have a little bit better. Um, I, I guess just defensive awareness because he's up against, uh, uh, you know, he's up against t- Alex Oxley Chamberlain yesterday, uh, Wilfred Zaha, you know, when we talked about the Palace game before, so, um, he can do it, but he's gotta be, he's gotta be switched on all game. And I think he did relatively well yesterday. I don't, I don't think he has, I don't think I have any complaints about him, uh, right. filling in there, you know, and, and as soon right. as I think, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens in the future between Valerie and Kyle Walker Peters. And as I said, right. we'll, we'll come to that, but, um, I don't know. How would you describe the the start to the match? Because as you said, I, I didn't really expect us to come away with a win. I don't think anybody did. But uh, the fact that I'll just say jump, jump into the end of the first half. I have no complaints as to how that first half went about us. Um, Absolutely not. No, no yeah. I, um, I thought we I, I wrote down good hustle. We were really hustling for the ball. We, we did not give them time to think about how they were going to develop anything. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. And I, I thought we fought really, really hard for everything. And I, I like that. Somehow Liverpool figured that out pretty quickly um, in the second half. And I think that's how they got around us. They, they didn't give us a chance to fight back. 
and that's how they uh, they develop the game further. I, I was thinking about something earlier about um, teams winning the league, and I, I went back to when Leicester won the league a few seasons ago, and Leicester were nowhere expected to do anything that season that they won the Premiership, and they won it with a, with a striker, Jamie Vardy, scoring a lot of goals. And if you like bring the similarity to Southampton with that, and you replace Jamie Vardy with Danny Ings, maybe in a few seasons Southampton can suddenly win the Premiership through a player that shines through and scores a lot of goals. It, it, it was just something that came into my head um, a few days ago, and I'm thinking, wow, yeah. Leicester were not expected to do anything that season, but they actually ran out and won the league. Yeah. Um, you know, and then and Jamie Vardy was the vehicle to do that. Um, yeah, I'm not saying Danny Ings will, will turn out that way, but, I mean, he's certainly scoring a lot of goals for us this season. Yeah. And if we were in a slightly different position, um, you know, there's nothing to say that that couldn't happen, you know? Right, right. And, and Ings has been in, uh, so influential and so critical to us in terms of, of, of getting, uh, of scoring goals. And then uh, we've been fortunate enough, I think the players have stepped in when he's been out of the lineup and had been able to kind of um, step into that. And, and we've gotten wins without him needing to come on the pitch every single match. Mm -hmm. um, I was really worried about that during our good run. It was if we if we don't have anybody else scoring goals, like what does that mean if he gets injured, but he's been fit, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, everything's been great. And um, unfortunately he couldn't get it done yesterday. Um, and he's got a little bit of scoring drought now, but I still, uh, I think I'm, I'm still behind him. That's for sure. Um, See, the, the other interesting thing, if you liken it back to Liverpool, you look at Liverpool. Um, I don't know if you caught the um, FA cup game the other day, Shrewsbury town and Liverpool. Um, the deal was that Liverpool uh, were two goals up in that game, and they were playing a lot of their second team in that game because it was an FA Cup game. They didn't want to, you know, overplay their hand, I guess. And then Shrewsbury Town in the second half came back and drew two all. Mm -hmm. So it was two, two, two apiece. And then um, Jurgen Klopp decides to bring the big guns on, and he brings on Firmino, and he brings on Mo Salah. Mm -hmm. And you look at the, the combination of those two, and... Sure, he brought them on too late, and they didn't have too much of an effect on the game to, um, you know, push Liverpool through. Right. But you look at the scoring duo of Firmino and Mo Salah, and yesterday, I mean, yeah, sure, Firmino wasn't in the game too much, but certainly Mo Salah scoring the two goals that he did. Um, that's very, very important that they are played and they work as a team. Yeah. Um, you know, with Southampton, you've got Shane Long and you've got Danny Ings. Um, or you've got the combination of, of Ings with another player, um, you know, one of the younger guys maybe coming alongside him. Um, you've got quite an effective striking duo there. I think it's important for every team to have that. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, you know, Firmino hasn't scored a whole lot of goals this season, but he is top five in assists for the for this for the in the Premier League, and and he's doing he does a lot of stuff that is very very good. It just doesn't always show up in the numbers, and um, you know. You mentioned you, you don't you know dislike Liverpool that much. I mean, they've been fun to watch uh, over the past couple of seasons and to see them develop. And and um, you know, I I don't want them to win the league, but that's I think that's out of our uh, at this point in the season, it's out of our control. So uh, right. I, I was just really hoping we could have done something. Uh, maybe maybe uh, disappointed them a little bit yesterday, but it didn't it didn't quite happen. And I'd say that the only real thing I was disappointed in yesterday from the first half is it wasn't our our performance, but it was it was Kevin Friend, and I don't know. Um, I don't know how you felt about, about some of the decisions that, that went, uh, that went against us because I, like you said, we were in the game. We were not giving them a chance to, to think about a lot of things. Um, right. we were pressing them and, and it was end to end stuff and there were chances for, for everybody. And, and granted their chances were a little bit better than ours, but, um, I don't know. There were, there were, you know, potential fouls on long and Ings. There was Salah's handball, you know, on the, after yep. that long ball was knocked down. Uh, to him and, and none of those things went our way. Um, and then, and then you get to the, the Robertson back pass, which I just thought was, yeah. was outrageous. And, and so it, walk me through what you were thinking when, when that happened uh, on the pitch. It was just bizarre. Uh, I don't know why they just didn't go to VAR on a lot of these things. It, I thought that's what VAR is there for. Um, you know, it's there to, you know, help the referee 
Um, not necessarily, um, you know, make the referee look stupid or anything, but nothing went to VAR. It was just as if they were all asleep in the box and nobody sort of like decided that it was worth doing. I, I, I couldn't understand it. It was almost to the point where it was like, well, okay, it couldn't have been a handball then. Yeah. Because nobody, nobody shouted that loud for it. And the back pass, I, I don't even remember seeing that. So, so what happens is Janapo kind of comes in. Uh, he's dribbling. I think I want to say Ward Prowse switches it to him. Somebody switches it to him, and he gets in into some space against Robertson one on one. And as he goes towards the line, he kind of stumbles a little bit. He's driving towards the end line, and okay. he stumbles a little bit. And Robertson's able to kind of get between him and the ball, and it looks like he's just going to shepherd it out. And then he right. stabs at it, and he stabs at it, and it's directly like it's parallel to the to the end line right back to Allison and Allison picks it up. And immediately our players kind of, kind of everybody's up in arms and even the announcers. Um, I watched, I watched most of the game on mute because I was afraid I was going to have to hear how good Liverpool were the whole time. And I didn't want that. Um, and, and, and yet even when I watched it back and, and kind of listened to them, they said, I don't, you know, they, the, they, they said the, the handball on Salah was a handball. Uh, they said, you know, I don't know how this hasn't been given. Why? I don't know why this hasn't been being checked. They were un, they they had no answers for the questions we're asking, and it's one of those things where, where we're coming into a situation where everything's going to have to be perfect and line up perfectly for us in order to get something from the match, right. and right. all and, and then all of these decisions kind of kind of go against you, and it, it it to me I think it says that the the team was in it and was very dedicated and and they were just they were willing to put up with all of that stuff because they were, they were in it to, they were fighting to win it. And despite all these things kind of going against us, they didn't let that get them down at least in the first half. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, you can't let those things go, you know, and put you down. They, they break your concentration easily and you don't want that to be broken. I, I thought the first half we really were concentrating on just doing the job and, um, you know, not letting anything get in our way. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's got to be on people's conscience at the end of the day, is whether they make the right decision or not, or whether things get picked up on. It, really, I don't think it made that much difference to the game, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know, things were, things happen during a game, and they're, they're uh, you know, boost your confidence and you carry on, or they get you down and you end up losing. Yeah. I and mean, you can't let it affect the way that you play, I guess, is the, is the bottom line on that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. I would say that uh, Janapo did get on the end of one at one point and uh, had a pretty good hit saved by Allison. Um, but I would say that the next kind of big, big moment was was Van Dyke getting on the end of of a, of a long switch and kind of getting in behind James Ward-Prowse and then trying to backheel it past past McCarthy. And I think that was the first real big chance they had, and they had a couple of, of shots from there. I think uh, Van Dyke has the one blocked by McCarthy, who does very well. Um, I want to say Salah has a, has another chance, and then. And then Long, um, to, to be fair, we didn't have this one go against us either. It could have been deemed a foul on him, uh, kind of running into the back of somebody right on, right on the goal line, but uh, nothing Rough. given, and, and we play on. But um, Liverpool had their chances as well. They would have gone into halftime, I think, being a, a little bit frustrated, but I really thought it showed that we, we were putting our bodies on the line. To There were guys sliding in to block shots and crosses and everything else, and it was a, a, overall, like we said, just a really good performance. Yeah, uh, defensively, we were really, really good. Um, I think McCarthy's been doing really, really well. He's been, um, you know, coming into his own. Um, yeah, it's probably partly confidence with him as well. I mean, there was a period a few months ago where he didn't look that confident. He was, like, desperately flying and you know, throwing himself at things and, uh, you know, not really getting there and just just missing things. But now he seems to be really very agile, He's doing the right things, goalkeeping wise, and, and really, really uh, coming into his own. Yeah. The confidence is there, and the skill is is going along with it. So yeah, he had a very good game yesterday. I don't think he didn't do anything wrong there, as far as I could see. No, no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be super upset with him. And at the end of the first half, you know, even even the Southampton uh, official Twitter account just says we're giving it as good as we get. We're we're in it. Um, and and I think everybody would have gone into halftime maybe. Maybe you think about the chance that that Ings had to shoot, and he chose to try to square it uh, to I think to Janapo or maybe Long, um, and you you think like you know maybe he he scores that or he t- has a shot there, and maybe that changes some things. But to be fair, 
I thought that that really, if you look at kind of the expected goals and all of that stuff, we were in it up until they had those those couple of chances right right in front of goal with with Van Dyke and Sala, and then other than that, it was pretty even. I think everybody would have been happy at halftime, even though I think both sides would have looked at some of the chances they had and would have expected uh, or hoped, I guess, to do better with that. But uh, you know, I, like I said, no complaints. And then and then I don't know what happened at halftime or in the second half, but this is, I think, what what good or separates good teams from from kind of these elite teams is Liverpool came out and they obviously had something happen and and we have a we immediately have a, a situation where we maybe could have earned a penalty um, and instead of you know when it doesn't happen Liverpool go directly down the other end and score and I think that's what you have to do sometimes to just you know it, when momentum starts to go your way you have to take advantage of it and they do that they did that. And uh, unfortunately, we were unable to, to do that uh, yesterday. Yeah, I think what happened at halftime was pretty pivotal. Um, Southampton had contained Liverpool up until that point. Liverpool were frustrated a little bit with what was going on. They obviously regrouped at halftime and they decided what they needed to do to beat Southampton. And then they just executed it. I think that's, the, like you say, the key to a lot of good teams is they... If they're not doing very well or if they're frustrated in the first half, they go back, they regroup, they work out what's going wrong, and then they work out a plan to get around it to win the game. And then they just go for it. And Liverpool's way of, of getting around it is when something happens at one end, they were trying to get everything done really, really quickly, keep the momentum going, keep a fast momentum going, and pound Southampton really, really hard every time that they had the chance. And that's the way they get through things. They go fast, they pound hard, and they just go for it. Yeah. That's how they ended up, you know, finishing off the game. Yeah, if you look at some of the chances that were created overall, uh, Liverpool had a lot more chances inside the box, inside the six-yard area, um, and, and kind of in closer from the, the, the penalty spot, whereas we only had, um, I want to say it's like four or five shots that actually came closer than the, the actual penalty spot. So I mean, not... Well, you know, not necessarily the best chances, but we were having chances, which I think was important. Um, and, and we just unfortunately couldn't get them, couldn't get them past Allison. And, and, and that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but I, I want to talk really quickly. Um, you know, I, I go back to the point I made earlier that there, when you play a team like Liverpool, when you're going away, you, you, you want to believe that the referee is going to be, fair and impartial. And I don't think there was a single fan yesterday who can look at what was happening and say that, 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 that was done the right way that even the, the chance on Ings, I think uh, it's Fabinho, I think who, you know, Ings is trying to dribble through two players. They both get a little bit of the ball, but the ball squirts away. And then Fabinho has the second kind of lunge that catches Ings and trips him. And, you know, that's, it, it's so kind of disheartening because that should be, we should be one up at that point. And or at least have a chance to be one up. You 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 know, ninety percent chance of going one up at that point. And instead, we're behind. And I think that kind of when you're away and you've been hanging, not hanging on, but but exerting all of this energy to have it taken from you like that, I think is uh is is unfortunate. I think I think it did us. Uh, I, I think at that point, it, it was it it was not going to happen for us at that after that. And and it started to fall away kind of quickly after that. I think. Yeah, players can lose confidence like that. It could be a pivotal change in the game, you know, one way or the other. So, yeah, I, I, can, I can see your point on that. I think, um, you know, if we had got the penalty and, you know, if we would scored, obviously, afterwards, um, that would have given them a lot of confidence, like the previous games have given them confidence. Um, you know, uh, games that you win against teams that you're not necessarily expected to win against or you don't think you're going to beat, um, you know, if you do end up beating them, then that, you know, really adds to the momentum. Now, we've talked about momentum before, I know, on um, other casts that, you, that you've done. And uh, it's important. Mm -hmm. It's important during a game, you know. Momentum shifts during a game back and forth quite a lot. And particularly if you have a decision go your way, it can help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it didn't take all that long for Liverpool to kind of get back into it, but we didn't, we didn't lay down either. You know, we kept playing and, yeah. and it, it, it did, I would say that the scoreline doesn't accurately reflect the, the match and how it went. 
Um, I, I think that we were we were more in it than that, and there were just moments where they are able to capitalize on little little tiny mistakes and just playing good football. Sometimes it wasn't even a mistake. Sometimes it was the the additional help they got from the referee in that situation, and they're just able to um, capitalize on that. Uh, when they went down and scored the second goal, I mean, it was it was a good early switch. Um, it was a good touch from them, a good pullback, and a nice finish from Henderson. And and that's you know that's good football, and you have to just kind of applaud them there and say you know that was a well worked goal. And and then late on, you know, they they score a couple uh, late in the game, and that's just you know I think the game at that point was was over, and we were stretched and trying to do too not trying to do too much, but trying to get something from it, and that's just the way it goes. And and um, that game could have been one nothing. It could have been two nothing. Uh, it, it could have been it could have been one one or two two. So it's just I think the way the game goes. And uh, although yeah. the xG, I will uh, once again say that theirs was much higher than ours. But uh, we we were in the game I think for for large portions. And and unfortunately, yeah. when you're playing against twelve men away, and I'll I'll, I'll throw Kevin Friend on their team for this. Uh, I, I think that's uh, I think that's just what happens. He really was a friend to them, wasn't he? Really? Yeah. Well, he's he hasn't <laughs> yeah. been good to us. Um, yeah. It's I know we I, I've had podcast titles I think in the past that have been Kevin is not our friend or something like that or no friend of ours, and that it seems to come up every time that it happens, and it's getting quite annoying. Uh, but you can't say anything to him online because referees are not allowed to have any kind of social social media following or or, or account, so they're not there. So. Um, it, it is, it is what it is. And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we're able to bounce back and we have a, a fairly favorable run of fixtures after this, of course, um, aside yes. from the, the replay against Tottenham midweek now that's, uh, and hopefully we move on in the FA cup because it would be Norwich at home, which I think once again, a winnable fixture. So as long as we yeah. can take something from the first half, I think, and move forward, I think we're, I think we're all right. I, I think that with the momentum we build up and the fact that, um, Tottenham now actually are not that unbeatable, really. I, I think with Harry Kane being out, and you know Harry Kane's a big threat, and with uh, Ericsson. Yep. Yeah. 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 He's he's left as well, and they were they were you know nice players. Um, you know, obviously Kane's coming back, probably not until the end of the season, if anything. Um, I think that that Tottenham fixture is very winnable in the FA Cup, even though it's going to be at uh, you know Tottenham's ground. You know when they play. Uh, yeah. It's next yeah next week they play. I think it's, I think it's uh, middle of the week yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's I that's that, that's something people have been upset about is I think Saints only charged the visiting Tottenham fans ten pounds per ticket and Tottenham have turned around and charged um, and that was for a Saturday game that was not going to be televised maybe it was going to be televised I can't remember in the UK um, right. but anyway ten pounds uh, to come down on a Saturday have a nice day out in the in the fourth round of the FA Cup. And 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 in return, Saints fans have been charged twenty five pounds for a midweek fixture for a replay uh, that is that will be on television. And so you know they 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 haven't done us any favors there. Um, You know why that is, do you? You know why they're charging that much? They got to pay for that nice new ground they got there. Yeah, well, Daniel Levy is just not a nice person. That's what I'm gonna say. (laughs) Uh, But you know that's 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 one of those things where. our, our away fans have been so good for so long and they keep getting this kind of, um, I don't want to say abuse, but they keep getting kind of the, the, the short end of the stick. They, uh, we don't take the full allocation. A lot of times we don't, uh, the club doesn't even ask for it. Um, right. so we're, we're, we're not allowing some people to go and then, and then we're being, we're, you know, we're being charged, you know, so much more, which is, is not great. And, and having, you know, friends and things who, who go to all these matches, I, I just can't, you know, going to one away match costs more than us watching the entire season on TV. So right. it's it, it's it's crazy. But um, anyway, uh, that that aside, I think uh, I think we're, we're very there, like you said, it, it is winnable. And I was going to say, um, with Erickson having gone and left Spurs, I think it leaves only one player in Ella, Eric Lamella, who uh, is a a holdover from what what they spent when they sold Gareth Bale. So that's uh, all the players right. they bought. They only have Lamella left and. Um, and that, you know, he'll, he'll, I'm, I'm sure play a part against us on, uh, when, in the return fixture. But, um, anyway, d- is there anything else? Uh, I mean, do we need to go through every goal that we, we conceded yesterday? I don't, I don't necessarily feel like we do. Um, yeah. I would say that, that the mood at the end of the match, I know, like you said, you weren't disappointed. I wasn't, I wasn't overly dejected. I wasn't happy with, uh, the final scoreline, but, 
I think that if you, I, th- I think most people, most fans just kind of looked and said, we didn't get any help from the referee. We didn't get any help from VAR. Uh, we were away to the league leaders, the runaway league leaders. Um, this is, this is not out of the question and, and, and we move on. Right. I think that's what kind right. of what you have to do. Right. I, I think with the, with the upcoming fixtures that we've got, we can take a lot of solace in the fact that, you know, they are winnable games and there's about four or five of them that we, you know, we, we stand a very good chance of getting a lot out of. So, you know, with the position that we are in the league, we can quite conceivably go from what well, we are 11th now to sixth or seventh place quite easily yeah. because all those teams ahead of us only have like two or three points above us, if not equal to what we have. So, you know, we can creep up that, you know, table pretty easily. Yeah. Not beyond um, hope that we'll get, you know, the the places we need to get into Europe. Yeah, it, it'll depend on uh, where we finish. It'll depend on what happens with uh, Burnley and Arsenal because uh, that's still ongoing. And if somebody can right. get a winner there, then we move up a spot. If not, we'll, we'll, we'll drop to 13th. But that's that's right. I mean, because it, it, the, like you said, the table is tight. Uh, one win could send us up as high as is eighth or ninth. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in it now, which is, which is nice because before we were worried about being cut adrift and it's nice to not have that worry, uh, at the moment. But, um, so I, I, after this weekend, it's supposed to be the winter break. We obviously have a a, a midweek match. Uh, it's Wednesday. So that's going to, that's going to cut that short. Uh, but at least our team's going to show up unlike Klopp and all that stuff. And that was a lot of stuff that we don't need to talk about that because it's, that's not uh, not of, a, of concern to us, but um, I, I did want to, to mention just just Danny Ings returning to to Liverpool for the first time uh, since joining Saints. Uh, of course, last year he was on loan, so he couldn't play against them. This year he returns, um, and you can see that that people in Liverpool uh, appreciate him. They they love him. There was applause for him when he went off the pitch. Nobody booed him when he touched the ball, um, and it's. Yeah. I just wish he would have. I wish he would have scored. Like I just wish he would have scored. But yeah. he had. A, I think I thought he had a great game. He he put in a lot of work. He showed all of those things that probably got him the move to Liverpool in the first place. Um, uh, the the work effort and everything else, and uh, just unfortunately for him, couldn't get it done yesterday. And 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 so we we move on. Yeah, people in Liverpool they love their football. I I was watching a documentary last night on um, ITV um, about Steven Gerrard, and you know when when they have a player that is dedicated to a team um, like Steven Gerrard and, and, and play for Liverpool, then you're, you're part of a big family at Liverpool. They really do absolutely idolize people that play for their team. And I think when you, when you play for a team like Liverpool, you, you feel that. You feel the love on and off the field. I know, you know, you, you see, I've seen documentaries on Mo Salah and he, he goes into a store and he, he's like a god to these people, you know. Mm-hmm. Little kids go up to him and they're like, you know. And, you know, it, it's, just, it's just great that they, they, they share that, you know, love for the players. But it can be their downfall as well. It, it can be, you know, so much pressure on these guys. I saw that with the documentary with Steven Gerrard, you know, if they mess up, then, you know, they're the worst people on earth. And, you know, because they believe in them so much, they give them a lot of abuse if they mess up. So there's a lot of pressure being that idolized. And, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of pressure to live up to. But, yeah, they, they, they really did um, appreciate Danny Ings. And I think a lot of the time that Danny Ings was at Liverpool, he was injured. So it really wasn't his fault. And he really wanted to, you know, get in there and, and play for them. And he really didn't have that opportunity, unfortunately. It's great now he's back at Southampton because he's the – the local lad, and he's the you know he's the person that everybody down there believes in. Um, yeah, my only worry I think is like you've said, what happens if he gets injured? What happens if something you know bad happens to him? And we haven't got him available to play. We need the backup. We need that person that's in the side, you know, waiting to come on um, to fulfill that role. If we haven't got him all the time, you know, we don't want to overplay Danny Ings and you know, have to play him when he's slightly injured. Um, cause that's never a good thing either. Right. Well, I, I think he's done a great job with, uh, his personal kind of fitness and, um, working with his trainer. And, and I've said it before, he was out here in, in LA and, 
working extremely hard uh, twice a day, getting fit. And, and I think he kept that up even over the, the winter break, just maintaining, um, making sure his body's ready to play all these matches. And, and I think having that, I mean, I would, I'd, I would imagine that Southampton is much quieter than, than Liverpool and just the ability to kind of concentrate and, and do those things and make sure he's ready uh, has allowed him to, and, and I guess having also the, um, you know, knowing in, in his mind that he's had trouble with injuries in the past and not wanting that and, and finding a way to, to, to make sure that doesn't happen, I think has been great for him. So uh, it, it's been really, really great uh, for that. But um, I guess let's, let's move on and answer some questions because we have questions about everything from, from the transfer window to to penalties and everything else. And we don't have to beat the penalty stuff to death, but we'll, we'll address it a little bit. Um, so we got a couple of questions. Here, uh, one of them comes from a patron, Saints FC fan in Chicago. The patrons obviously get priority for having their questions answered on the show each and every week. They also get access to a private chat uh, via Discord, and they also get bonus podcast episodes. Uh, you can sign up for that if you want at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Once again, the no no pressure to do that, just if you wish. Um, he says, if the lineup remains the same over the summer, i.e. Hoiberg doesn't leave, what type of transfers do you think will be brought in uh, over the summer? So will it be, do you think experienced immediate impact players or the younger players that still need time to develop? So um, what do you foresee Saints doing as they move forward uh, in, in the transfer window? I think it's going to be a mixture of both, really. Um, it's great bringing in the younger players um, if we have them available, if they're going to fit into the mix. Um, bringing in players that have an immediate impact is also good, um, depending on where you're going to put them, really. <laughs> We'd have to have a crystal ball, really, to figure that one out, really, I think, because I know uh, Ralph wants to keep the team fairly stable at the moment. That's why he hasn't bought an awful lot of players over the transfer window, this past transfer window. Um, I can see the logic in that. He bought in a defensive person in Carl Walker-Peters, which was great. Um, to really take over from Suarez, I presume. Um, so in the summertime, I think he's got to look at maybe bringing in another striker um, just in case we lose maybe Shane Long, um, you know, because he's, you know, getting on a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Well, he's 32 now. <laughs> I say getting on a bit, though, and it's, you know, not that old, but, um, you know, maybe older for a soccer player. So, really, I think um, if he's going to bring anybody in, maybe an experienced striker. Okay. Yeah, I I would say only the only thing I would think is that it, it will probably remain the same in terms of it'll be players that need time to develop and, and things like that because that seems to be the the route the club want to go, uh, the self-sustaining kind of model. And um, the, the problem is if you're not willing to really spend big money on on players, then you're probably not going to get anything better in the transfer window than what we already have. So uh, unless you're going to buy players that are young and, and give them the time to develop, um, it, it really makes it difficult to, to have that. But uh, I would have said if we were going to bring somebody in this, this season that would have needed to play right away, I would have said it needed to be a fullback. And, and obviously the, the Kyle Walker-Peters situation and the Cedric Sorry situation means that, you know, we're, we're a little bit, uh, it, it, obviously we're going, we're undergoing a change there and, and Kyle Walker Peters just isn't going to be fit for a week or two. And he's going to take some time to learn. Um, I'd imagine that by the end of the winter break, he'll be ready. Uh, he can't play against Tottenham. So you can expect him, I think to play uh, going forward from there. And I right. think that that gives us some real solidity because I think we'll be back to a, uh, a similar type of, um, of lineup where you have a, a set fullback on either side with Bertrand. We still don't have a lot of depth there. Um, we'll, we'll have our same center back pairing of Bednarak and Stevens. And then I think going forward, we'll have, Ward Prowse back uh, alongside Horvig, and I think that makes the whole team um, a little bit better. Yeah, I think if um, Holberg leaves, and there is, um, you know, a question of whether Holberg might leave or not. Um, you know, he's he's a solid player, and he's very good defensively. I get I get a little worried about him when he when he he goes to attack because, uh, from what I've seen, all he does is he tries to hit the ball as hard as he can. Yeah, <laughs> without direction sometimes. And that bothers me a little bit. Um, 
where he could, you know, maybe pass the ball to somebody and, and somebody with a little bit more shooting skills than he has um, can score. Um, then if we, if we lose Holberg, um, who do we make the captain? You know, and, you know, I've got my own opinion on who should be the captain. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like to see James Ward-Prowse take over the captaincy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think it it probably fall to him uh, after that um, without without much question. But but you know we'll yeah. see. And I, I think yeah. the I think that you look at some of the the players that we have that as their as their contracts are running down, right? Like Long's out of contract at the end of the season, um, and then you know obviously Yoshida was out of contract at the end of the season, as was Sori. So that was gonna, always going to be a, a bit of an issue. But um, I don't know. I, I think you, you got to you got to really look and see like, what, what do you, do you want? Do you want to sign Shane Long for another year? Uh, I think that would split the fan base's opinion. Um, but, but in terms of Hoiberg, I, I have a, I know that he's got a contract extension on the end of the, uh, on the table and they have agreed just kind of not to talk about it until they, they get, they, until they reach safety. Um, but you know, we, we still have if essentially just under a year to get that sorted out before he can go kind of receive offers. And I think uh, if, the, if they can't, kind of come to some, some agreement. I, I doubt we'll see him kind of walk away for free at the end of it. So you, you would expect him to potentially move on, but he hasn't expressed that. I haven't seen that from him. Um, yeah. And, and the effort he gives on the pitch doesn't, doesn't suggest to me that he's looking elsewhere. You know, Cedric made it very clear yeah. he wanted to go. Um, yeah. And I guess we can, we can talk about that just, just a little bit, but um, for you, what, what was the, what was your take on the, on the transfer window? I mean, with only really uh, Walker Peters coming in, um, and then, you know, some of the players, we, we, Yoshida going out, uh, Sori's going out, uh, a couple of players going out on loan, uh, at the younger levels, uh, for you, was it, how would you rate it? Would you, would you be happy with it? Were you okay with it? Or do you wish it would have gone differently? I, I'm okay with it. I, like I said, I didn't think we needed to bring too many players in. Um, I think we were just waiting on who wanted to leave and keeping that money basically, um, for, what we want to buy in the summer window. So I think from, from the point of view of, um, you know, what we did, I think we played it just right. A lot of people were criticizing us for not buying any players, but I don't think we could buy until we knew who wanted to go and what kind of money we were going to have to maybe use later on. So I think we played it just about right, really. Yeah. I don't think we wanted to change the team too much. Right, and, and Ralph's spoken repeatedly about wanting to you know, pare down the squad about wanting to work with a smaller team. And I think we have some of those things that if you cut out some of the, some of the, everybody talks about, about the fees, but the, uh, you know, or the purchase price of a player, but those, those wages that you pay out every week, they add up over the course of the season. If you can cut out four or five of those guys who aren't going to get much time, um, then, then do you free up kind of the, the ability to bring in a player maybe that, that can have an immediate impact versus always having to buy, uh, these players and sign them to relatively low wages and, and hope to develop them over time. So maybe, yeah. maybe this helps. And um, well, let's just talk really quickly. Cause I, I think the, you know, the, the people leaving, I think I made my, my views on Cedric story is clear. I don't necessarily, I, I I'm not, I'm not hurt that he's gone. Um, he was, right. he was fine for us for a while. Um, you know, he played, he came here to play football. I think he got a little bit uh, ahead of himself, thought a bit too highly of himself. Um, you know, he went through periods where I hated watching him play, where he seemed to make mistakes each week in, week out. Um, but for me, when he sit, came out and said, uh, you know, he's he'd be he's looking for a move away. He's not going to be here after the after the end of the season. I think for me, that just yeah. said, like, look, um, you know, we, we got to find somewhere for you to go because although you played okay in the past couple of weeks, there you haven't really you haven't you haven't won, you haven't endeared yourself to the fans by saying that. And and so to watch him go, um, we get some money for him even. Uh, and he's injured. He's not going to play anyway. So um, I, I think we've we've got the best uh, part of the deal there. Uh, but what, what's your take on it? Yeah, when I saw him play a couple of years ago, I was not impressed. You know, he was overwhelmed, outplayed. Every time I saw him, he was just like he would just like blew past him, like he wasn't even there. Um, he was not playing well a couple of years ago. He got better over the last few years. Um, but yeah, he really didn't uh, do himself any favors by saying that he just wanted to leave at some point. He just put it right out there, and it was just like, okay, see you then. <laughs> and they made a profit on him as well, I believe. So, right. you know, great. 
Yeah, he's going to Arsenal. He's pleased about going to Arsenal. So, oh well. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, no big deal. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's gone. And um, I, I guess the other, the other big loss that we'll never see play again, I don't think, is is my Ishida. And yeah. I mean, I, I think my feelings are the exact opposite on him. When I saw that it was reported that he could leave, um. I thought, oh, you know, the, it would make sense, I guess, because once again, he's coming to towards the end of his contract, and but he's been such a a positive influence around the club. Um, everything from the the, the media stuff that they've done to the fact that he donated one percent of his wages this season to the Saints Foundation, um, to just he's just a he's he's loved, I think, by everybody, even um, even if when he was in the team, sometimes we would go, oh, you know, there's a mistake coming, and it'll cost us and, and we will be mad at that. But overall, I think most fans look at him and say like, you know, your time here, you were, you were a good person, which I think counts for something. Even if, even if, you know, this is football and we shouldn't, we shouldn't maybe let our hearts rule our heads sometimes. Yeah. What a nice guy. And um, when I saw him um, play against Leicester, the last game I actually saw in England before I came back here, um, he was the only person to score for Saints on that night. And I thought, wow, that's really significant. I mean, he's a defender and he's not expected to score. But he actually scores the only goal in a 4-1 defeat. Yeah. And it, it was just like such a nice guy, such a great amb- ambassador for the club. And, um, yeah, a big loss for the club, really. Yeah. From that point of view. Yeah. Just a worker. You know, he really worked hard and uh, just a great ambassador. Yeah. And I, I think you, you miss some of those guys around the club and you hope that, that some of these guys who are coming in and, and if they're coming in and looking for an immediate move away, they don't have the same impact. And I think that you know, <clears throat> Southampton having just you know saints means a lot to southampton i think everybody that that is a part of the club knows that but i think sometimes the players come in they don't necessarily grasp that if they're only going to be there for two years you don't have the uh the need to buy into the community you can kind of just be yourself and play your game and then move on whereas you know yoshida's time there um he he really became a part of the community and i think the community adopted him just as much as he adopted them and i think that was um, something that we hope that other players will do, will do. So, you know, maybe maybe Danny Ings gets the same kind of thing going forward. But we will just have to kind of wait, uh, wait and see. So, um, in, anyway, I, I'm happy for him that he's going to move on. He's going to get some some first team football, hopefully. Um, and uh, you know, he'll be playing alongside or with and behind, I guess, M- Manolo Gabbiadini. So, hopefully, uh, that's a reason for some Saints fans to to, yeah. to look at the Serie A table every once in a while. Yeah, really. I mean, you make a good point there. Um... Southampton as a football club is extremely important to the city of Southampton. The morale in the city gets boosted so high. Um, I don't know if you saw the big billboards with um, Welcome to Ralph Hampton yes. all over the city. And, you know, it's, it's something that everybody in the city talks about. When, when Saints win a game or when they lose a game, you know it's going to be talked about in, in every workplace. Um, in the town and, and people, you can see people actually a lot happier when Southampton win, um, even in the streets, you know, the, the, the energy is, is there, you know, for, yeah. for everything. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's talk uh, briefly about, um, Kyle Walker Peters coming in on loan. Uh, Colt Baker from Facebook asks, how do you think the KWP loan will work out? Um, and was it a good move? And we've re- kind of talked about Cedric leaving, it leaves us very light in the fullback positions because I think going into the window, one of the things that we would have needed to address would have been the uh, just just the the wide defensive areas. Uh, Cedric can play on either side, even though he's obviously very much uh, a right back. Um, he did play at left back when we needed him. Um, we really only have Ryan Bertrand, who's consistent first team football. Uh, Vokens has has popped in and out uh, for for some for some, but he's not probably quite there. Um, Ralph's opinion of him did change over the window. It seemed to be that, that maybe Vokens could do it if we needed him to, but um, it, we'll, we'll see. And, and then Valerie has been out with this mysterious illness and people are speculating that he's had a falling out, but we don't, we don't know. But really now you have really only three fullbacks that are, that are first team kind of quality. Um, Kyle Walker Peters is going to be there on loan. It's going to take him some time to learn the system and all that stuff. So um, for you, is that a good move, and, and and are you happy with that, or do you wish we would have done something else? Oh, I think he's. I think it's a good move. Um, I've got to admit, I don't know an awful lot about him. Uh, I'm not sure the reason why Spurs would want to let him go. Uh, he's a young guy. Um, 
I'm sure he'll fit in very nicely with everybody else. Um, Southampton is always a very welcoming club to go to, I'm, I'm sure. Um, the other players will be pleased that he's there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he'll fit in just fine. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not it's not the the furthest move away for a, for a player. You got to think of, of geographically yeah. and things like that. And he's probably got a really good chance of getting in the team each and every week, which I think is what both Spurs and he'll be wanting. Um, he's he's played for England at, at the youth levels. He's uh, he's going to know some of the guys around the club, and and so I think that'll be that'll be fine for him. And um, I think I think he'll fit in nicely. And uh, you know, as far as I know, there's no option to buy. I think from most of the things I've read from the Echo and things like that. Um, so there's no obligation or even option. So um, it could just be a short-term solution, but it also could be that in the summer we go back in and negotiate for him. But it all depends on how it goes. And um, you know, some of the loans we have this season haven't really worked out. Danzo hasn't been uh, utilized well. Uh, he hasn't played well. Hasn't shown himself well. But he hasn't really been put in good position either. So um, we'll have to see kind of kind of how it all works. Um, but let's let's move on a little bit to some of these other questions. Uh, we have one from a patron, Stephen Brandt, who says, "Is this the greatest collection of any talent any club has put together in any form in sport in any era?" Um, he's a Liverpool fan, so he leaves a oh, smiley okay. face. We'll just leave it there. We're not even going to answer it. But he's a patron, so we have to say it. Yeah. I, I, when he asked that, I thought he was talking about Southampton. I was going to say, "Well, maybe." Yeah, yeah. It, it, we're, we're, we're up there. Except we're definitely <laughs> up there. Um, but but yeah. Uh, anyway. We have a couple of questions from uh, Al Capone 156, uh, also from Norwegian Saint 2, um, and and even at Keep Eni, um, all relating back to, to, to the handball and, and to penalties and things like that. So I, I guess, is there an explanation for, for Kevin Friend's kind of decision making, or do we just have to, are we, we going to live in kind of this this uh era where are we just not ever going to know i guess is the real thing like is there a reason that he did that or do we i guess we'll never know right we probably will never know maybe um maybe we go back to the old chant that they say that he needs some, some new glasses maybe maybe he needs some new contact lenses or something maybe maybe he just missed it or maybe he just chose to miss it maybe he felt that he was going to you know be picked up by VAR i mean that's the question how how much do referees rely on VAR picking up their mistakes? Well, I, I wonder sometimes because we've seen with, with younger referees sometimes and, and uh, maybe more inexperienced referees and referees newer to the league, um, when they have a, a, a very senior, a very veteran referee sitting in the VAR um, booth and being in charge of it, they, they have the, they're more likely, I guess, to look at things and overturn things, whereas... Kevin Friend is a very experienced referee. He is probably less likely, I would say, to um, maybe allow VAR in, and and that's I, I think they would deny that. I think they would say that that's not that's not true. But I think the you know the communication between him and his linesman there, if you look at at kind of, it, it's going to be difficult for him to see that that back pass. It's difficult to see where it comes from. But you, like, as you said earlier, that's what VAR would be there for is looking at that at that moment. But, you know, maybe, maybe we have to have a look at this and, and maybe for him, it wasn't clear and obvious because maybe it comes off Ward Prowse or something like that, or whoever else is down there trying to, to get a foot in. I don't think it's, uh, but, but it, it doesn't matter it, is I think it was pretty clear that it was, a, it was a back pass and maybe his line because his linesman didn't flag it, didn't see it. Um, then that means to him that it wasn't a, a clear and obvious error or something, but it, it's difficult. Um, but I mean, it just, I think for me, it's not just the one the one time that it happened, it was that there were several instances where, where things, if, if all things are equal and fair, uh, in each match, which they're not, um, then, then it would have, uh, you know, Salah would have been flagged for a handball and things like that. And we just would have, uh, you know, we've got something or, or Ings gets the penalty. I think all of those things are possible, but I would hope that over the course of the season, of course, VAR has saved us quite a few times, I guess over the course of the season, maybe it will all kind of, kind of work out. And I'm sure somebody will do some, some giant, kind of study and write up on on all of that stuff at the end of the year about what VAR does and doesn't do for for everybody but um you know it it sucks that it happened against Liverpool but maybe also maybe it's it's fine that it happens against Liverpool because we were never likely to win that game anyway um so if if it happens against a team like Norwich where we're winning the game and all of a sudden we get uh, you know uh, a couple of things like this go our way and, and deny us the points maybe that's actually has a, a better a, 
a deeper impact on us over the course of the season. But I, I think I'm just trying to make the best of it because I'm uh, the more I think about it, the more angry I get. And I don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I think what we've got to do is we've got to look at VAR and figure out what triggers VAR to come into play. I mean, if we're finding that there are obvious mistakes being made, why are they being made? Why, why isn't VAR picking up that that was possibly a handball and then going to the VAR? Because it obviously wasn't yesterday. If, if we think and everybody else sees that it's possibly a handball, why didn't it go to VAR? That's yeah. the biggest question in my mind. If something happens, well, what we're finding is the offside, when there's an offside, it immediately goes to VAR. Yeah. So, you know, on the flip side of that, if there's an obvious handball or a back pass that shouldn't have happened, why isn't that being triggered to go to VAR immediately? Yeah. Why is that being missed? Yeah. And I, mean, I guess at the same time, though, there's also, you know, if if he sees it, if he does see it and if if the linesman sees it and says that's not a back pass then it's not missed. Then they've just decided it's not there. And unless it's a, oh, okay. a clear and obvious error, which I, I, you know, the more I watch it and maybe it's just, I watch it in slow motion. It's like, okay, that is clear and obvious to me, but maybe the, the, the VAR official has to talk to him and maybe, maybe Kevin friend was super sure of his decision and, and wasn't going to listen to it. And I, I don't know. Like we're not privy to that conversation, um, which is unfortunate, but that's okay. Um, let's move on. Danny Ings obviously is tied for third with 14 goals in the Premier League. He's got two uh, in the cup competitions, taking him to 16 uh, on on the season. Um, and, and we have here a question from Lucas Tompkins, uh, who says, how many goals will Daddy Ings score this season? So uh, what do you think? Will he break Will he break 20? Will he get to 24? How many, how many goals do you see him scoring uh, between now and the end of the season? Wow, that's a good question. Um. I think he's going to hit at least 20. Why not? Why not? Yeah, I think that'll be a good target to go for. I think I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he'll play midweek. You would assume he would because we'll have time to recover after. So I, I assume he'll play some role uh, in, in the cup replay. He's got 14 right now in the league. I'll say, I'll say he'll, I'll say he'll get 21 in the league and he'll wind up with one extra one in the cup. And so that'll take him to what, 24, 25? I'll go with that. 24, I'll say 21 in the league, 25 overall. So two, two in the cup competition. So that's what yeah, I'll say. I'll, uh, that'll be wrong. And no, I'll never check back at this. So it'll be all right. Okay. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I look forward to those goals that he will score and that the rest of the team will score and, and the matches we have coming up. And of course, we, we've talked uh, already. We have a, fairly favorable run of fixtures and, and he actually gets to face, I think one of his former teams again uh, at, in Burnley when we come back from our, our shortened winter break. And then we have uh, a couple of matches against relegation strugglers. So we're, we're, we're in this um, it, it's going to be a good kind of run up to the end of the season, I think. And um, even though we four nil isn't, isn't ideal, but I think we're, we're still fine for it. And uh, you know, that's all right. But um, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show for, for taking some time on your Sunday afternoon or eat. I, I guess still morning. I forget you're, it's you're, morning, only, yeah. you're yeah. a couple yeah. hours ahead of me. So uh, <laughs> on your Sunday morning and uh, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been a pleasure to chat with you again. Yep. You too. Thanks Matt. All right. And uh, if people want to follow you, they can do that on Instagram. You are at the real Dave champ. And of course the links are in the show notes and um, thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Yep. You bet. That does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Dave Champ. Thanks so much for coming by. If you want to follow Dave on Instagram, you can do that at the real Dave Champ. He's not on Twitter or Facebook though, so make sure it's only on Instagram at the real Dave Champ. The link is on the show notes. And Dave, I just really appreciate you coming by, uh, having a chat, talking about Saints, and uh, sharing some time with me. So I appreciate that. I look forward to doing it again in the future. While you're on Instagram, if you would like to follow the Southampton page, you can do that. They had their account disabled recently, but you can follow the Southampton page one. The link is also in the show notes. That's a late addition to uh, this edition of the credits. 
you'd like to follow this show, we are at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You get links to that and links to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you listen to podcasts at SouthamptonDelivery.com. There you can also find a link to become a Patreon subscriber. By doing that, you get access to a private chat, priority for having your questions answered on the show each and every week. And in addition to that, uh, you get my sincere gratitude and potentially uh, extra podcast episodes. So uh, if you're interested, head over there, check that out. But if not, uh, please do not worry. I just appreciate you listening. Uh, If you would like to help out the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a review, share with a friend, all of that stuff really, really does help out. Um, As I mentioned earlier, our partner, the Southampton page, they are at Southampton page on Twitter at Southampton page one on Instagram. The logo for the show is designed by Matt Beeling of the, we are Southampton page on Instagram and all music for the show comes courtesy of the free music archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the initial credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Potty Tim Bear. We'll be back next week with another episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. I look forward to talking to you again next week. So until then, remember that together, we march on. <laughs>